Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Well, Severn Run, today we are wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount series entitled Living Brilliantly. We're wrapping up the words of the most brilliant man who ever lived, who spoke the greatest words that have ever been spoken and illuminated the darkness of this world with a, with a light that was from eternity. And these words that Jesus spoke are astonishing words that have the power to change life when they're heard and when they're listened to. Today, I want us to pay special attention to how Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount. This was the launch of a life that changed everything. And how he wrapped up this, the greatest of the recorded sermons we have of Jesus, really, really matters. I want you to hear it and to listen very carefully. In fact, I want you to hear it so well that I want us to, to hear it twice and to know that real faith... Real faith lives what Jesus spoke. Let's hear from Jesus. Watch out for false prophets. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet... It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. We've heard, but have we listened? Knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing my Father's will. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preach the message. We bash the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everybody talking. And you know what I'm going to say to you? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words that I speak to you, they're not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. These words are foundational words. 
They're words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and you don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And when Jesus concluded this address, this Sermon on the Mount, the crowds burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to their religious leaders. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. These concluding words to the Sermon on the Mount um, are the key to moving out of dark into light. They're the key to um, the rubber hitting the road. They are like the transmission and clutch that gets the power of God into the rear wheels of your life. Um, and, and, And so it's just critical today that we hear what Jesus had to say. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, Uh, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Only the one who, who what? So this isn't though, guys, and I want to be very clear from the start, what we're talking about is not works theology. We're not talking about um, earning salvation through hard work, but it's about the nature of real relationship. Real faith lets love come to life. And if what we have does not let the love of Jesus come into real life, then it's not real faith. And when we really love Jesus, we let him live through us because what's lived is what's really, really loved. The work that Jesus is talking about is the work of faith and belief. Um, And so again, do not think Jesus is saying that, you know, You got to do all this stuff to get to heaven. No, he did all the stuff that gets us to heaven. But we have to believe in a way that puts what he said into play, into life. In fact, in John 6, 28, a guy said, Hey, Jesus, what do we got to do to do the work that that you say it's going to take for us to get to heaven? And in John 6, 29, Jesus said this. He said, The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. And who would that be? It's Jesus, to believe in Jesus. Faith, real faith, lives Jesus. Religion just talks. Uh, that's what it is. It's what it does. Religion can know a lot of things. Religion can, can be sincere even. Religion can, can be familiar. It can be comfortable. It can be uh, your culture that you grew up in. It can become an identity. I mean, it can be a lot of, a lot of things. But religion really never has the power to change you from the heart and it certainly doesn't have the power to, uh, to bring the life of heaven to life on earth. Real faith, though, it lives Jesus. And, and, and there's some change today that I want you to make in your life that will change everything. It, so Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount, and, and it's, kind of like, it's kind of like an aircraft on an aircraft carrier. At some point, it's got to take off. Would you agree? And... And the truth is, there's a very short window for it to take off. 
And what Jesus is saying is your faith has to take off. It has to go from something that is private and personal and withdrawn and unapplied. It has to go to something that is whole life and all in. So today, I want to ask you to make a profound shift in your thinking. For some of you, this will change everything. You see, until we commit to do the will of God in real life, um, we're dead in deception. Until we commit to do the will of God, the will of God, the will of God, until we think um, our worldview is a will of God worldview, we don't think in terms naturally of our own will, we don't think in terms of our own wants, our own desires, we we make this foundational commitment, my life from this point forward will be committed to doing the will of God. I'll evaluate every decision. I will, I will um, filter everything that I say or do against this one central mark. What is the will of God? And, and this is the great translation into life. James 1.22 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And we religious people are deceived as long as we think that we can believe things that we don't live. It's not possible. What we really believe, we really live. I can remember when I was, um, you know, 15, 16, um, my, my life really was at one of the pr most profound crossroads, even at that young age, that, that, it, that it ever had been or, or would be because I was kind of deciding the whole course and direction of, of my life. And I can remember being challenged by the words of Jesus and struggling with them. And, um, you know, I mean, really struggling hard and, and, and coming very close to making a decision to say, no, I, I, I don't want that. I, <laughs> I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to live how I want to live and, and I'll figure it out. But I could never get past Jesus. Religion I could get past, Baptist I could get past, um, you know, bad church I could get past, but Jesus, I, I just couldn't get past it. And in my heart of hearts, I saw Jesus looking at me and saying to me two words that change everything, follow me. Live my will. And when I made that decision, from that point on, um, stumbling and grumbling, falling and tripping, uh, angry at times. Um, any of you all powders? Any fellow powders here? When I was little, you know, some of you all may have said this too. When I was little, my mom used to say, careful, you're going to trip over that lower lip, you know. I mean, it, it just like went out there. Well, as I got older, I learned to pout in a more sophisticated way. <laughs> Husbands and wife, you know what this is like. You all pout with each other right? And, and, and I so I struggle with God and, 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 and everything else, but, but from that point forward, I could never get away from this one question. What is the will of God? Now, I might choose to sin. I might choose to know the will of God and walk away from it, but I had to walk through the pain of, God, what is your will? When I stumbled, um, you know, I had to get back up. Again, it's never an issue of perfect. It's like a growing child that, that's, that's becoming mature. And, and, but, but I'm astonished at how many of us who self-identify as Christians who never think realistically, practically, wholeheartedly, and in a high-cost way about the will of God. But the will of God is everything. 
The will of God is, is the key to your life in the details. How you spend money has to be according to the will of God. And if you just go out and spend money and, and you don't ask yourself before you make each spend, is this the will of God? Then you're deceiving yourself and you've rejected God. Until we commit to do the will of God in real life, in our marriage, at, at home, at school, um, at work, you know, uh, until we commit to do the will of God and wrestle with the will of God and struggle with the will of God, we're just deceiving ourselves and, and we're right where religious people always end up. Just a lot of talk, just a lot of empty living. You see, Jesus killed religion by, by living the will of God. And that's why the people said when Jesus concluded his address, the crowds burst into applause. They'd never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to their religious leaders. He, he killed religion. He, he lived compassion. He lived love. He lived the heart of God on earth. Jesus killed religion and he, and he came to kill religion in us as well. The truth is, Obedience is, is all about authenticity. You see, when you and I know the truth that we're not connect, uh, convicted to live, we've actually again rejected God. When we know, um, you know what God has said and we just kind of dismiss it, oh, was, oh, I know what God said, but it doesn't really matter. Like the, the young lady who um, <clears throat> you know, was, was very much in love with a person that she knew wasn't God's will for her to marry, um, she was a believer, and, and, and she came into my office and wanting me to, to perform the, the, the ceremony. And I'm always amazed at why people want Christian ceremonies when they, they don't want Christian marriages. You know, and I always tell them, I'm not here for the Christian show. You know, you can, you can go produce a Christian show elsewhere. I'm very interested in you having a Christ-centered marriage. But, you know, you know a fancy day, I got better things to do. Um, but she said to me, I know, I know he's not a believer and I know the scripture says I shouldn't be doing this because we're not supposed to, to unite the center of our hearts with somebody who doesn't share that center, that it'll never work. But she said, but I love him and I just believe it'll work out. I said, so what you're telling me is you know that you're disobeying God and you don't care and you're going to do it anyway. And she just dropped her head. And I said in the most humble, loving, pastoral way, good luck with that. Because when I've done the same thing, it hasn't worked very well, <laughs> you know? Every time I do what you're talking about doing, it's a disaster. And, and then I have to come back and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I want to do your will. Every time I'm in the driver's seat of my life, I utterly wreck the car. And you will too. Here's my challenge for you from this point forward. To struggle with, wrestle with, seek and center on the will of God, not just in the large decisions that are made at 50,000 feet, but the ones that start at five feet, 10 feet, 20 feet, the ones every day, every moment um, that, that involve your finances, your conversations, what you look at on the computer, um, how you work at work, uh, how you talk about other people when they're not around, everything you do, you gotta know that real faith lives Jesus. It, it does the will of God. Unfortunately, for, for most of us, we end up more religious than Christ. And so Jesus would say to us sometimes, um, 
Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you people, you hypocrites. As it's written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Um, faith lives, Jesus. Religion just talks. Obedience is everything, though, in the kingdom of God. Listening to the, to the will of God and then obeying it in life. Uh, Jesus, uh, the scripture says, rather, in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Jesus said in John 14, uh, 24, he who does not love me, they won't obey my, my, my teaching. And that's why Jesus, at the end of his message, as the, as the uh, disciples are just getting ready to launch off the end of the carrier into real life, Jesus says the key to everything is, is listening in a life-changing way and living my words in your day. So over and over again, Jesus has the same theme as he finishes up the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who, what? Does the will of my Father in heaven. Three verses later, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, action, everybody who does them. But three verses later, again, um, uh, but everyone who hears these words of mine and, and does not choose to put them in practice is like a foolish man who built their house on a sand. So, so here's the deal. You and I have to make a choice about whether we're going to live a self-willed life or a Jesus-centered life. A life based on what we want or a life based on the will of God. And the will of God not as a roadmap that he offers to us for our approval, but a relationship that every moment will guide us in a very real and very personal way. That's the key. Will you live the rest of your life seeking the will of God or are you going to live content to live deceived, to live dead in religion, doing your own thing with a little bit of God language, making you feel okay about the whole ordeal? Well, I know what God wants, but here's what I'm going to do. That's fake, that's dead, that's lifeless, and Jesus invites us into a completely different experience of life on planet Earth. That's, that's the key. So, so what does doing the will of God look like in real life? Again, this is so critical, your eternal destiny, my eternal destiny rests on getting this right. It's critical that we get this right. Uh, again, many people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and, and do all kinds of things, uh, drive out demons and do miracles? As I look at this scary verse, I think, I haven't done any miracles, you know? <laughs> you know? Uh, number of dead raised today, zero, you know? Um, number of, of times you've gone into the hospital and cleared out a hospital wing of everybody, you know, uh, okay, a big goose egg there too. And Jesus said, these people did all those things and he'll say to them, I never knew you. It's critical that we get the heart of what it means to love Jesus so much that we do the will of God in real life. Here's what it looks like. In real life, doing the will of God uh, is not about earning it. Uh, it's not about uh, pretending. Uh, it's not about being perfect. It's about being real and authentic and doing three basic things. You do these three things. This is my, I'm going to answer for this when I stand before God in heaven. With, with all of my heart, I'm telling you, you do these three things as, as Jesus will. And I believe with all of my heart that when you see Jesus, he's not going to say, I never knew you. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Critical that we get these right. The first thing that we do to, to live the will of God is, is to love well. 
Loving well is everything. Summing up all the law and the prophets, Jesus said the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel. And this was the Shema. This was, this was the go-to beginning point, Deuteronomy 6.4, for every faithful Jew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Sometimes Christians forget about loving the Lord with all of our mind. Sometimes we forget that we are called to be a passionate people, to love the Lord with all of our strength. Everything we have goes into this. This is not reserved. This is not safe. This is all in and all about loving the Lord. And the second commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus answered the question of who the neighbor was. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's everybody. It's anybody in need. Um, it's everybody who, who does not yet know him yet. Um, we're connected to everybody. We don't stay in our own uh, skin color groups, our own economic groups. We don't stay um, in our own cool or uncool groups. We, we love in a way that, that invites and includes and makes everybody family. 1 Corinthians 13, you need to read it again. I need to read it again. Um, man, you talk about a religion killer right there. Um, uh, one verse out of it, in, in verse um, uh, 2, if I have a faith um, that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. And all through that, if I give my body uh, to be burned at the stake as a statement of how much I believe but I haven't loved people, I, I'm nothing. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have love, man, I'm just an empty, meaningless sound, a, re, a, a, a resounding gong, an empty, an empty brass sound. Love is everything. And it's not real hard to ask this question, am I loving well? You ask the Holy Spirit that question and he will tell you. <laughs> I guarantee you, ask, ask the Holy Spirit how you're doing with your spouse. Am I loving well? Ask the Holy Spirit how you're doing with the unimportant people at work, the people who can't help you. I love uh, Dr. DeBakey, um, a famous doctor, you know, heart transplant guy um, in, in South Africa. Um, uh, he, he would begin his day in the hospital uh, greeting the janitors. Well, world-class, uh, you know, important people uh, don't normally do that. They want everybody to call them doctor and, and, uh, and honor them. But, but that's not the way he, he worked. That's loving well. Jesus said in this, Matthew 25, 40, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And the simple reality is that, that how we see people around us, um, whether we see them as flawed and imperfect and whether we judge people by their worst or, or whether we see everybody as somebody for whom Jesus died. Whether we look around and see people as of infinite worth because of the blood of Jesus and, and everything that we do or say to somebody, we're doing or saying to Jesus. If I put you down, I just put down Jesus. If I love you, then I've just loved Jesus. And I want to tell you with all my heart um, that regardless of what you know, if you and I choose not to love well, that we've missed everything. But, but if we want to know what it is to live the words of Jesus, it all begins in loving well. The second thing that doing the will of God looks like in real life is that we, we actually do live Jesus. We don't just talk about him. Uh, we don't just admire him. Um, we get up close and personal with, with two basic words. 
In Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Jesus walked up to him and without any explanation, without, um, you know, um, a long uh, preparation or anything else, he just walks up to him and says, Matthew, follow me. And the amazing thing uh, is this, Matthew got up and followed him. Some of us are making the whole thing so ridiculously complicated, it's not even funny. You know, uh, it's not about religion. It's about in your heart of hearts, you seeing Jesus come into your life, looking you in the eyes, and in spite of all the complexity, maybe because of all the complexity, all the mystery, all the pain, all the unanswered questions, Jesus just looks at you and says, Mary, Stephen, Martha, just you follow me. And, and no excuses, not, well, I, I got a lot of stuff wrong in my life and I I'm kind of want to go over here first and I want to do this and I'm not ready. And when I get all of my life together, when, every, when I get it, you know, when I'm a little better, Jesus, then I'll follow you. None of that. That's all garbage. Living Jesus begins with hearing Jesus look you, um, you know, in the face, in your imagination and, and hearing him say, follow me. And you just do it. Jesus in John 14, 23 replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching, working into life. My Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. Every day, Jesus lives in your heart, in your home, and every day, he'll guide you through this. Well, I don't know what to do. Great, you got Jesus right there. Just follow him through. I want to I see God raise up a community of people who are not content to be dead in religion. A community of people who are just what they are. We're, we're broken, we're, we're not there yet, we're incomplete, we're imperfect, but you know what? We belong to Jesus. And we've allowed him to live in us and, and he doesn't wait until we're perfect. He just embraces us and wraps us up and swings us around and says, I love you and I'm gonna send you out into the world to make an amazing difference. Stop making it complicated because it really isn't. How do you do the will of God in real life? You love well. You live Jesus. In your relationships, in your conversations, when you're talking about somebody and they're not there, you live Jesus in that moment. When you're working and you could take a shortcut um, and maybe, quote, no one would know, but you choose to work hard and go the extra mile and you choose not to, to you know, to, to steal either time or anything else, but you just give your all f- for the glory of God, you just lived Jesus. When you take the time to, to honor somebody who's overlooked and, and, and broken down and you just recognize the, the amazing love of God and the infinite worth of their life and you look them in the eyes and, and, and you, you help them see what God sees, you just live Jesus. The third thing we have to do, and, and churches and believers do this very, very poorly. I, I struggle with this all the time. And here's the deal. I'm gonna struggle the rest of my life and you are too. Let's just struggle successfully. Amen? Let's just win. And that is believing big. Believing big. John 14, 12. These are astonishing words that I struggle with. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me. What does the word anyone mean? Okay. Not the super religious spiritual who've got it all together. Not the people whose lives are all perfect everything, but anyone who believes in me. 
and has faith will do what I have been doing. I want you to think about all that Jesus did while he walked on planet earth. The people he loved, the, the way he revealed God. What Jesus was to his world, we are to be to ours. What Jesus was in Jerusalem, we're to be in Curtis Bay. What Jesus was in Bethlehem, we are to be in Brooklyn, in, in Catonsville. What Jesus was um, in Galilee, we're to be in Anne Arundel County. And because Jesus said very clearly here, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Amazing. Now we're not talking, we talk about believing big, we're not talking about creating a new class of Christian celebrities, okay? <laughs> we don't need that. And, and let me just be real clear, when we're talking about believing big, we're not talking about um, you believing big about yourself, that you're all that in a bag of chips. We don't need anybody else who's interested in increasing the recognition of their name, but we do need people who are willing to increase the fame of Jesus in, in the world. And so believing big has more to do with John 3.30 than it does Christian celebrity. He must increase and I must decrease. In, in Matthew 17.20, Jesus replied, You have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to here and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Okay, I have super trouble reconciling the words of Jesus and the word of God to how the modern church lives. We live so small, we live so timid, we live so weak, and the word of God says that, that whatever Jesus did, we will do, and even greater things than he did, we're going to do in the world. Wow. The faith the size of a mustard seed means nothing's impossible. It's astonishing. Matthew 8, 13 says that Jesus is talking to the centurion, and he says, go, and it will be done just as you believed it would. Those are prophetic words. I believe with all my heart that, that the only way that we cannot believe big about, about the word of God is that we're just not listening to it. How could any church stay the size it is when, when there are lost people around? How could any church be content to stay in its lifeboat when there are people outside the lifeboat drowning? How could any of us say, oh, I just don't have enough. You know, we're, we're poor. We don't have enough money to do this or that. That's crazy talk. God's the God of the universe. And he's revealed himself and said, all you have to do is believe and trust me, follow me, and I will do things that are impossible on planet Earth. In fact, go home, grab your dictionary, go to the D section, get your scissors and cut out the word because it doesn't belong in your life anymore. And so as a church, we are going to do everything we can to transform every disciple into a follower who goes out into the world and does what Jesus did. Love well, live Jesus, and believe big. That's what it means to do the will of God uh, in, in the real world. I believe with all of my heart, and I'll give all of my life to lead you and to walk with you and to have us do this until Jesus comes. So today, the challenge... First of all, it's, it's a mental shift. If you're a believer, all right, I'm asking you to make a profound mental shift and to think with a new worldview than you've ever thought before. I want you to frame everything in terms of the will of God. The will of God, the will of God, the will of God. Frame everything you do, uh, everything you think, um, everything that you imagine, 
Compare it all to the will of God. And then I want you to make the commitment today from this day forward, by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, I will live from this day forward committed to doing the will of God in my life. And if I fall down, I will get up. And if I get tired in the fight, I will stay in it and I will not quit. I will not look in the mirror and hate what I see. I will look in the mirror and I will see the face of Jesus looking back at me saying, you can do this because of what I've done for you. Today in Jesus' name is a day to us, for us to, to cross a line of a larger faith, a bigger life in Christ that changes the world around us. I want you to stand, if you will, stand up with me. And we're going to take this home. And the challenge this week is, the challenge this week, your exercise, your homework, is to focus on living Jesus at home this week. And I want to hear back from you. You know, how, how you do that? How did you live Jesus at home this week? Um, that, that's the challenge. And so as the worship team sings uh, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to pray. Some of you want to come down and join me praying at the front. The crosses will be open. The stations will be open. But this is the day to cross the line and to make doing the will of God your life from this point forward. So Father, in Jesus' name, um, we accept this challenge to make your will our way, to make your life how we live to make your words what we reflect first on before we do anything else. Father, we surrender today to live your son, to do your will, to change our world in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.